0: Advice, advice
1: from someone else's dad. Hey everyone, it's Peter Yawitz, and welcome to the Advice from Someone Else's Dad podcast.
2: My advice is to work the tail off and forge relationships. It will pay itself out over time, and mm-hmm. I see it continuing to do that.
1: That was from my amazing young leaders interview with Jane Hong, CEO of high end manicure salon Paintbox who talks about how important her mentors were in helping her make a big transition from banking to the beauty business. We'll hear more of my interview with Jane in this episode. I'll also be answering your workplace questions along with my favorite HR pro co-host, Jamie Steele. Finally, I'll read one of your workplace nightmares. If you'd like to ask a question or share one of your workplace nightmares, call us at 347-857-7294. 347-857-7294. You can also go to someoneelsesdad.com slash podcast and submit a question anonymously or simply email at questions at someoneelsesdad.com. First, let's check in with Jamie Steele, my HR Pro co-host, to talk about some workplace issues on our mind this week.
0: I'm great, Always Peter. How great? are you?
1: <laughs> I wouldn't <laughs> expect anything less. I am great. You know, I, I I couldn't wait to talk to you this week because I had a very interesting training session the other day. I was doing a seminar for some entry-level professionals, and one young fellow came up to me and he was concerned about how to navigate his career, which is just starting, uh, because he had some health issues. He said that his issues with anxiety plus he has other issues that affect his intestinal tract and he didn't want to get into too many details with me but he said in the past it has taken him out of work when he had an internship for a couple of weeks and also when he was in school for more than that and he was wondering how to navigate that and i'll just say personally as someone who has had a lot of uh, chronic illness throughout my life i i've struggled with the same thing and i believe that when you're young it's harder to admit that you have any kind of weakness, especially when you're with a bunch of young cohorts who want to go out drinking every night. So that's what I advised him. I know it's it's brand new for him and he's going to have to learn as he goes along, but these are real issues that people are dealing with.
0: Absolutely. That's a, well, first, I have a ton of empathy for that person because, uh, I haven't personally dealt with health issues that have affected me at work, but, um, I have family members who have dealt with very, um, grievous health issues at different points in time and have needed to have the support of their manager. So first, just empathy, just a hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, the second thing I would say is, when you accept a job and you know that you're going into a job and you have health issues that may affect your ability to perform um, the functions of your job to the ability that um any company might set as their standard. I would always, like you said, talk with a manager, but also seek out HR. So um, every HR person should be familiar with the American Disabilities Act. And it, you'd be surprised at how many things that affect you physically can fall underneath that. And so it's a good opportunity to have a conversation and say, I'd like to talk to you about what's happening with me um, and and what might affect my performance. And um, I was doing some reading about the ADA accommodations and I think I might need some. Any HR person, as soon as they hear that there's potential ADA accommodations that need to take place, they're going to know, okay, we need to get you paperwork. We need to have your doctor fill that out. And they're going to partner with you and your manager to make sure that you're protected when you have time out because you shouldn't be adversely affected because there's something that's without out of your control, Um, and and an employer should support you in being the best that you can. And so as long as you're open and honest and you work together as a team, anything's possible.
1: I think that's great advice. I I think the hard thing for any young person is to understand what his his or her limitations are. When he is having any kind of flare-up and he is at home, what he can do. I mean, is he completely incapacitated, or can he just do emails, or can he take phone calls? But that's going to take time for him to realize whatever disease he has, uh, what he'll be able to do. And I guess this is what I say to a lot of people: is that no one is super, superhuman, and it's important to make sure you have a good balance and get enough sleep. So I just uh, I wish anyone uh, the best, and certainly something that is very dear to my heart because I've had to struggle with these issues myself. Jamie and I will be back a little later to answer some questions listeners have submitted. The number again is 347-857-7294. But now, my interview with Jane Hong, CEO of Paintbox. Jane was a former Goldman Sachs banker who attributes her wild move into the beauty industry to focusing on her behavioral strengths and on her relationships with terrific mentors. We had a great time in Paintbox's flagship store in Soho here in New York City, where I learned all about the business and even got my first mani which I proudly shared on Instagram at someone else's dad apparently I just missed Rihanna and I know it's pronounced Rihanna not Rihanna because I checked on it who got more than just the one freebie nail that I had done here's my interview so I'm with Jane Hong who's the (laughs) CEO of Paintbox which is a very high-end beautiful nail salon here Mm -hmm. in Soho in Manhattan on Crosby Street and it's a beautiful and very understated place uh, and I can't wait to see what happens behind this. And Jane is going to show me here what, what we have on the
2: shelves. Yes, so this is actually our inaugural bespoke collection of product. We launched it on June 18th both in store and online, uh-huh. um, DTC, and you can find it at paintbox.com and we are known. We become known as the color authority and so oh. uh, what we are really known for is elevating nail art and this um design space and so we launched with our six inaugural colors which are sold in duos this is reversed right here (laughs) so what what are
1: your six inaugural colors Um, i don't know what they are
2: they all have very evocative names so this is like wild like wonder wait
1: like they're called like yes. wild.
2: It's a funny story. Did I? I don't, I don't know. know I I've didn't hear about this. it. But oh, okay. Uh, so the founder, um, her background is in beauty editorial. Okay. And she was in a meeting where she was mansplained to afterwards, oh. <laughs> and the man told her, you know, you use the word like.
1: So she embraced it and made it. Yes. Oh, the, okay.
2: the descriptor that it should be, and and that was you know, uh, probably a decade ago in her life, oh, but um, she's always held on to that moment.
1: So we're entering, this is where the, the work does. Yes, work so this happens. is a
2: removals bar and we like to break up the experience, so if you need a gel removal, ah. we do it at the bar okay. with a little bit of champagne in hand oh and then you move into the manicure hall. Women are coming in by the droves and they pre-book and they're New York women, so they're, they're, they're expecting to go on, be on their way, though they do obviously want to enjoy the experience.
1: Uh, do people do house calls?
2: We do it very rarely, but we'll do it for the special VIP. celebrity, okay. or, yes, okay. yes. Although Rihanna has come in herself.
1: Are you allowed to say that? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so Jane, how long have you been with the firm?
2: Yes, so I joined about two years ago and the founders are a couple and the the, the female founder is the now um, chief creative officer, uh-huh. that's like her lane and, and less of the operating uh, business side of things mm-hmm. so she wanted to find a partner that could really so
1: you came from a business side first before even on beauty
2: beauty this is my first time in beauty oh, believe it or not which was interesting to see that she took a leap of faith to hire somebody without the beauty background and so I was very much like an outside perspective yeah. and I think that's what she found refreshing about it
1: so a lot of young people that I talk to are in one field Yep. And they think, well, my resume only shows that, but sometimes I encourage them to think about the fu- not just the, the functional things that they do, but the behavioral aspects of what they do yes. and how you can translate that functional side the way you did and yep. behavioral side to suit a completely different business. Well, so your c- case in point in that case.
2: That's funny you say that because when I started, I looked for a functional mm-hmm. skill and coming out of Princeton... I, um, I, I worked at Goldman Sachs mm-hmm. and that was like a very much transferable skill, finance, you learn yep. the way the world works is right. how it was sold to me by the banks yeah. and I fell for it. But it was true and then when I realized I wanted to learn more about retail and pivot out of the finance world, I went to business school. Mm-hmm. And that's when I actually realized behavioral, uh, that, that experience mattered to some extent maybe even more. Sure. And And you don't
1: know it when you're young what your behavioral strengths are.
2: You do not. And you you don't even know. You know, I looked at my core classes my first year and I said, oh, communication. (laughs) You know, like blew it off.
1: Yeah, of course. That's what I did too. And look what I (laughs) am. I know.
2: (laughs) And the funny thing about it all was it was the hardest class for me. Mm -hmm. And it's because I came out of an analyst role where I was obviously hustling and working a ton, but I was very managed. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden this you know trajectory was putting me on a path where i was going to manage and and that was totally different and Mm -hmm. new for me and i i didn't know how important all that would matter Mm -hmm. and i thought oh i'm a gregarious affable person Mm -hmm. it should be no problem and then you learn wait communicating in a business sense
1: if you were talking to some young people graduating from princeton or even people who might have gone through a two-year analyst program at Uh a bank the way you did and then maybe gone to business school what um I don't want to say life lessons as much as experience lessons or
2: empowerment lessons. Would you give? Um, I would say in your first job, it's a well, at least for me, and I think for most people, it's a bit of an awakening. Right, yeah. you switch from college, which is yep. a whole different other thing, yeah. to this, and and my advice is to work your tail off and forge relationships, mm-hmm. and they will. They, that will. I mean, it will pay itself out over time, and mm-hmm. I see it continuing to do that. Mm-hmm. My Goldman bosses are still very good friends of mine. Nice. Uh, they're still mentors. They came in, you know, huh. with their daughters.
1: Oh, so they're women. They were. Uh, both- no, they're men. Oh. They're all men. Oh. Yes. Oh wow.
2: Which actually taught me a whole different thing because yeah. I thought I was working in a boys' club, and to see this whole movement of all this stuff happening. It's so different because I felt like very safe in the space that I worked uh-huh. and I felt very supported and they fought for me in a way that I don't think I've been fought for Very since. nice. And so, uh, and I think it's because it was so, and that this is honestly the management skill that I've taken away from mm-hmm. it. If you, I, you know, you had to work really hard. It was sort of sink or mm-hmm. swim. Mm-hmm. But having worked that hard, they knew it. And they rewarded
1: it. how about uh, the empowerment side I try to empower people to say that you can go be you're not labeled based on that oh, job yeah. but use your connections as you said I mean yes. it's wonderful that you had those mentors did they help you in your decisions moving forward always yeah
2: yeah I mean you know I was I, I went through a period where I had left finance and I was in, in industry and in retail and was debating do I go back to finance? Mm -hmm. I kind of miss certain aspects of it. Mm -hmm. I miss the fast pace. I miss the sort of um, gratification of finishing a deal or, you know, that sort of feeling of whereas like sometimes in organizations, bureaucracy seeps up and you see these like intangibles and you don't really know if you've accomplished something or not. And that, that kind of, that element sometimes got under my skin and and they really helped me decide. Mm -hmm. Do I join this small company and help them get to a place of growth and scale? Or do I go back to finance? And that's all to say that I was shocked that finance was still an option. You know, Being out of the game for so long, I think people found my skill set diverse and interesting. When you work really hard and you forge those relationships, they become invaluable and they can help you later on as a mentor talking through ideas. But then additionally, having worked in so many different fields and different companies, you see what you like and what you need and it really helps you spear. That is where the empowerment really comes from, having different roles. I could see what I was best suited for and what I really wanted mm-hmm. in this next phase of my career. Did
1: you ever do any kind of social styles to figure that out, like uh, the Myers-Briggs or oh. New York? I'm, yep. I'm not advocating yep. any of those yes. because I don't know whether they really answer people's questions when they're in this phase of existential crisis about, now if I only understood my MBTI <laughs> or Myers-Briggs thing, then I'll know what I should do. I don't
2: know. You know. I think at any time you have to put yourself into like one little or some set of descriptors. I actually like the enneagram more. Do you know okay, that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think, think they're all interesting. Yeah.
1: The, my, my point about those yes. is that you just have to watch out for several reasons. One, it's it's easy to label yourself. And the other thing that I've noticed personally—not this is about me—is that I've changed over time too. Yes, it's and, very and, true. And you know, the, if you had taken that ten that, years when ago. you were ten years ago, right after college, it's true. Uh, you put, "Oh, I mean, I'm really—I will love finance, and I do this, it's and that's, that suits me to do this." And you answer your questions really based on what you were doing at that point. It's and self-fulfilling it's to, that yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. It's hard to be... It's hard to know who you are at that point.
2: It's it's very true. And you know what? I What I always found was, and how I excelled in my career over time, was really focusing on my shortcomings, mm-hmm. on my weaknesses. And so if I had followed those tests, or whatever it's called, and only gone to my strengths, I would have never developed this other side of mm-hmm. me. And... That's how you continue to learn. That's right. And that's how you continue to keep your brain active. I mean, all these things that, as you get older, and I'm still yeah. pretty young, but I I, you, I, can see that I'm not, the brain isn't yeah. quite as fast. Yeah. I'm a little more sleep deprived. Yeah. Young children will do that too. certainly
1: will. My last question to you is, yeah. did you ever take advice from your own dad?
2: All the time. Oh, oh, All the time. Really? Oh, you and know, your mom too. Yes. Yeah, 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 of course. Um, my dad, uh, my parents were immigrants, and so they're from Korea, but they met in New York, oh, and they okay. met in their residency and training. Mm-hmm. He always gave me advice on, I remember it was summer, and he'd make me still wake up at the same time, oh, and, I, and, and it was so cruel. brutal, so brutal, but he just said, you need to have purpose every day, and, you know, when well, he,
1: I blew that in my parenting <laughs> skills. I
2: already blew it too, so don't worry. But I, 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 he's right. He was right. I felt so much better when I had structure versus like waking up. And, you know, obviously, there was occasional days yeah. where you sleep in. But yeah. the idea was when, again, that was in line with um, reward and effort. Because when he felt like I was doing really well, I, I, I was sleeping in. Yeah. That was the best advice probably.
1: Did you ever tell your dad how much that meant to you? Uh, <laughs> the reason I well, ask that yeah. is that sometimes my kids will say, you know, one thing you told me that I never forgot, and that my feeling is like, I, what did I tell you? <laughs> you know, I told you that? And yeah. I was like, it had impact. So I, I think at some point, is your dad still living? Yes. I he think is. if you said to your dad, first of all, it'll make him feel great.
2: It would make, make him feel, him feel great. great. I should close that feedback yeah, circle. You can, but see. you should
1: tell him that and see actually if he remembers that, whether it was a deliberate thing or it was in the moment when he was exhausted and he said, <laughs> i got to tell her something. Well, Jane, I'm, I so admire your, your style for someone so young to manage things so beautifully. And, and clearly you love your work and you yes. love the people that you have and, yeah. and love the opportunities that you've created for the people here, but also yeah. for the investors yeah. and uh, hopefully for yourself too. Yeah. It's been a pleasure.
2: Thank you so much, Peter. Nice to meet you.
1: That was from my interview with Jane Hong of Paintbox. You can see all of Paintbox's like colors at paint And if you check out my website, someoneelsesdad.com slash podcast or Instagram at someoneelsesdad, you can find a short video of me getting my first ever one finger manicure. Actually, my first manicure of any kind. And I didn't get any funny looks on the subway afterwards except for those who thought I was just bleeding heavily. Up next, Jamie and I answer your workplace questions. Our number again, 347-857-7294. This is advice from someone else's dad. I'm Peter Yawitz with Jamie Steele. Here's our first call. I have a question on sponsor versus mentor. Ah. Uh, and the question is, you know, um, when you are looking to kind of advance your career and looking for someone to mentor you or perhaps um, be a sponsor for you, one, can you please
2: tell me, either you or Jamie, tell me the difference between the two and which one is more valuable.
1: A mentor is somebody who takes a strong interest in your career, really Mm -hmm. is someone who could be outside of your business, it could be a friend, it could be someone you worked for before, but it's someone whom you trust, who would give you some career advice and would help you with contacts to be able to achieve your goals. A sponsor is someone usually within your organization who can direct you to the right place within that organization to help you achieve the next promotion perhaps uh, might have an interest in you, but it's, it's a little bit different. Sponsor is someone pretty much within the company.
0: I definitely agree with that. And I would say, for me, when I think about a mentor, that's somebody that might, you know, fulfill a role that's even beyond the scope of just professionalism um, and and being a professional mentor, whereas a sponsor, to me, is directly linked to my success, whether that's in my um, job title and getting to the next level or making that next, uh, you know, financial jump in compensation. So I would, you know, always recommend to have both. Yeah, sure. Uh, and, and a person multiple. Could be the same.
1: Yeah, the person could be the same. The sponsor could be your mentor, but I agree with it. You you should have multiple mentors, almost like your personal board of directors that you could ask for advice on all sorts of different things. Okay, time for one more question. 347-857-7294. Someone actually sent in an email with a question rather than a voice recording. And the question is, if I put, it's from someone named Katie, if I put in my two weeks notice, do I have to technically stay for two more weeks like I only want to finish out the week? Even though you like only want to finish out the week, if you're giving two weeks notice, to me that means you're giving two weeks notice. I feel that you should stay those two weeks unless you negotiate with someone about staying only like that one week.
0: Well, yeah. And the other consideration is, Not only are you not finishing out the two weeks, but you have to think about the fact that now you're potentially compromising the reference that your boss might give you. That's a good point. Right? And then, of course, your coworkers will be like, really? They left us high and dry like this? And so you never know when those people will come back and resurface in your career.
1: Yeah, never burn bridges. And if you're saying two weeks, uh, give them two weeks. Unless there really is some specific instance in your life where you have to leave a bit earlier, but, you know, you're also risking losing some of that pay if you're only giving a one, you know, if you're only going to say one week and you say two. Coming up next, I read this week's Workplace Nightmare. Okay, here's today's Workplace Nightmare. This was sent in by someone who said he had a recent temp job working as a second assistant to a TV executive in Burbank. Didn't deal much with the executive, just with his first assistant. We'll call her Cheryl. Cheryl, on June 17th, via phone from her desk, Weren't you supposed to ask me to send you the monthly Citibank statement on the 15th? Me. Yes, but the 15th was a Saturday. Since I'm a temp, I don't work on weekends. Cheryl. But today is the 17th. Me. I just realized that, but I only work 12.30 to 5.30 each day and just got to my desk today. I have a note here to make sure I get the statement today. Cheryl, I'm pretty sure it's in the manual at your desk that you're supposed to ask me for it on the 15th. Me, and the 15th was a Saturday this month. Cheryl, have you read the manual because I'm sure the instructions are clear. Do we need to go through the training manual again? Me. No, I don't think that will be necessary. Did you have the Citibank statement? Cheryl, are you asking me for it? Me. Do you have it? Cheryl, are you asking me for it like it says in the manual? Me. Yes, I am asking you for it. Can you send it to me? Cheryl, I just sent it to you. Ew. That was brutal. You know, there's a... a, (laughs) phrase that, that I've used for years called S-I-P, self-important people, and it sounds like Cheryl, the first assistant. Was totally, a, totally an I I don't know whether it says anything about people who work as TV executives in Burbank and their first assistants, but uh, I think she her head is a little bit too big.
0: Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Hey, thanks for joining us for this episode of Advice from Someone Else's Dad. Many thanks to Jane Hong and the staff at Paintbox, and of course to my co-host Jamie Steele. Next time, there'll be more answers to your questions and more workplace nightmares. Remember, you can call us at 347-857-7294, go to someoneelsesdad.com slash podcast and submit a question there anonymously, or you can just email us at questions at dad.com. Please subscribe to our podcast and follow me on Twitter and Instagram at someoneelsesdad. I'm Peter Yawitz. See you next time at Advice from Someone Else's Dad.